Yeah? Yeah. I'm Dr. Melissa Whitman. And I'm Chad. And this is The Autistic Female. Oh, right. <laughs> wow. I actually got really nervous and all I had one line was, hi, Chad. Okay, so our kids are home. We're trying to film. This could be chaotic. I already hear barking. So we have dogs. We have kids. We have... New location. All new recording things. location. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to... You record for a different podcast as well, so we're trying to get something that works for you. Also, not as pretty of a background, at least not yet, but we'll Yeah, it would be fun to put some stuff back there. Especially We'd have we to like, like rotate swap it with yeah. all three podcasts. I don't know. It feels like a lot of work. I don't I, I think there's a way to do it. I think there's a way. But I'm Maybe not I'm not as savvy in that that as ideal. Yeah. Okay. So I actually don't know what we're talking about today. So do you want to? All right. Well, I, I just want to like wrap up a little bit because last time we talked about travel and we did travel with the dog, with the kids. It went great. I took L-theanine, you know, did the things. It went really well. So yeah. And Frank, did in case there really happened long, yeah. to be like one person out there who. You know, the travel. Cared. Yeah. Kids are amazing. They're at a good age. Just travel now. Yeah, So much different than, I mean, even six months ago, let alone a year ago. And I assume the dog would cry. I assume the dog would go to the bathroom at least once in the bag and none of that happened. I mean, it was actually, in hindsight, it was nearly flawless travel. No delays. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing out of the ordinary. Okay. And then I am about to leave Wednesday for a work conference. Right. And I... That's the longest I've ever been away. I'm like hardly ever away from the kids for even one night, let alone. What do you think the longest been? Three days? days? No. Two what? days? Two days. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think ever two nights. Yeah. So now I'm nervous and so I have more travel and I'm nervous. I don't feel as nervous about the actual travel part of it. So I got home from work today and was like, oh, you know, stressing out. So I made a bunch of lists. That made me feel better. We took off theanine. And I ordered all the groceries that you guys might need and try to cook a few things. Mm -hmm. We'll see if I get to that. And then we'll see how that goes. But it's a really exciting conference, biohacking conference. Brandon and I are going. It's going to be pretty great. Yeah, I'm excited for you guys. Yeah. 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 Three of us are going to go. So it'll be pretty cool. So today we're talking about. I don't honestly, I think this is uh, I don't think it'll pick that up. Oh, okay. New editing. So Okay. We'll see. One of our kids is using the ice maker. <laughs> okay. Today I want to talk about the autism testing. So that's questions. I've gotten a ton of questions on that. People who've watched the podcast, obviously I've referred to it. They're like, how did you get diagnosed? What did they use? And there are some initial screening tests that are good to like look at if you're curious. You can be like, oh, let me try a couple of the tests. And actually one day after work, like everyone at work took them. <laughs> it's pretty funny. There's like a short, quick version of it too. Yeah. The first one, it's like a screening test. The AQ is the one I'm referring to for those of you that are wondering. So the AQ, the autism quotient is a screening test and it's technically the autism spectrum quotient, but it's just called AQ. And you go. It's very left brain of you. I'm okay. not going to say autistic. Okay. 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 Like and it's 50 questions and it goes through you know it's basically a screening however the questions are really insightful especially if you are autistic i know when i first took this is the first test i ever took this screening test and the questions themselves it's distracting really point out some interesting things so that was that was cool so the aq that would be the first one to start with 
and that's like a screening. Then there's the RADS R, so R A A D S dash R, and that is more like subclinical for people who maybe would miss diagnosis, like they would not have been diagnosed, or maybe they were misdiagnosed with something else that's possible as well. So that subclinical threshold, which really anyone who's listening at this point probably didn't get diagnosed. You know, you're kind of past that threshold of when you would have been diagnosed as, you know, a child or even as a teenager. So that's another one. Then CAT-Q is one that tests for camouflaging, which is really common in autistic females. So that's another one to take. And then the ASPE quiz is one that it's less researched, so it's not as validated. It makes a pretty graph at the end. A lot of people like it. So those are usually the four that you can kind of start with. And if you Google those, they'll come up. Otherwise, you can look on, and I'm not in any way affiliated with them, at least not yet, (laughs) embraceautism.com. I really like the way they have everything laid out. And also for the autism spectrum quotient, they changed some of the questions, and they've done that for some of the tests to make them easier to understand. Like from an autistic perspective. So some of the, you know, a lot of these tests were written by neurotypical people. So if it's sarcasm, I'm going to miss it. If it's a certain tone, I'm probably going to miss it. So they've rewritten some of the questions to make it, you know, easier, easier to understand for. So is there one of these that like if someone's listening and they're like, I don't know, like I think maybe this describes me that they should just like, where do they start? What's like the AQ? AQ. Yeah. The autism spectrum quotient would definitely be the one to start with. That's usually the one I recommend. Just gives you an idea of it. It's like a 10 minute thing. You go through, you know, answer the questions and then it tallies it up at the end and, you know, gives you a big gold star if you're autistic. No kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations. That's so good. Oh, That makes me think there's this meme that I saw on Instagram and it's like, sinking hand like they're underwater sinking and the person's like i'm really struggling or something by the way i'm gonna botch this but anyway maybe it'll still be funny they're like i'm really struggling that's like maybe i'm autistic like i'm you know an autistic female for example and then it's like yeah you tested really high on all these tests you're super autistic (laughs) and then at the end they're like sinking it's like high five there's nothing else we can do for you (laughs) because that's kind of how it is like oh you're autistic Good job. Yeah. So that's a reminder that one of the reasons I have been encouraged by so many people to do this podcast is because there are podcasts, there are other tools, there's everything, but it's all focused on, okay, you're autistic. That's kind of the end of it, you know, accept it or try to, you know, make sort of adjustments to your life. But just a reminder that a big part of what we're going to get into and a big part of this is that we can make life easier, balance out the brain, improve vagal tone, all of those things. Super important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there they are. There are some of the basic tests that people keep asking. What's the, 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 of the other three, is there one that's like really long and like, and then what kind of tips over into Mm -hmm. like the official diagnosis? I think, let me see if it says how long I need to go to the site and see how long it takes. I think if I remember the Aspie quiz took the longest, they're usually like 10 minutes. Okay. And then are these... they say five. I remember them saying, oh, yeah, the RADS R takes the longest. I think that did take me 30 minutes. So I, you know, have been in school for many, many, many years, but I still read pretty slow and I do struggle sometimes with comprehension. So 
five to 10 minutes if just if you're in a time crunch you know i plan for the upper limit of that especially like if you're taking this for the first time you've obviously got a lot going on in your head and i know i was reading rereading like does this question actually apply to me because i don't actually think i'm autistic and yeah i remember i I took one of the tests you did you took the aq so that was the one where i'm like it's this test must be flawed like you take it and was a little tricky too because you go into it and you're like because you know it's an autism test and there's a question for example i have some sensory Mm -hmm. stuff with like you know i think of like I hated finger painting as a child. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of like getting my finger in paint, even this mm-hmm. right now talking about it, and like rubbing that on like that construction paper. I mean, just even rubbing my finger on this table is just, uh, I just don't yeah. like that thought, that feeling. It's just, it, it just gives me a really icky feeling. Yeah. And so knowing it was an autism test though, and then seeing a question of like, you know, would you say rubbing, you know, finger painting is, you know, do you strongly disdain? You have no yeah. opinion, love it, right? It's like if I were in a casual conversation, I'd be like, oh, I I, I hate finger. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't want to do it. But then it's an autism test. So I was like second guessing a little bit of my questions of like, well, would someone like, you know, and so I'm trying to like, okay, just answer. Yeah, you should have just answered it. Well, I, I did. I'm just oh, saying okay. that like there are certain okay. questions that might be like, well, am I sensitive to loud noises? Like mm-hmm. do fireworks count as loud noises? Does mm-hmm. you know, someone clattering dishes is that loud mm-hmm. noises like those are those mm-hmm. are pieces but mm-hmm. so are these different though than like okay let's say you go through these tests and you test really high well hold on can you remember that thought yeah you're very good at that i'm not so what you were referring to though is what i've talked about before and maybe what i'll need to touch on more is the difference between there's like neurotypical right but then there's a huge bubble, like if we're looking at circles, right? So there's neurotypical and then neurodivergent. And then within neurodivergent, there's a little bubble of Venn diagram. autistic. It's not, is it a Venn diagram? Because it's multiple. It's like six bubbles, the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. It's and not just the yeah, A Venn the diagram two... can have like an N of whatever. Okay. So it's all those different ones. So you're like for sure within some of that neurodivergent sure. like sensory and just not in the like autistic part of it. Too. Yeah. So also if you if you feel like you resonate with this and you're testing uh, you go through these different tests and they don't really fit that's not like oh you're perfectly neurotypical and explains everything, right? Like when she when the first person that I saw when she did all of my testing, she also tested me for ADHD, which I didn't know at well, she was even testing me for at the time. And there's a lot of overlaps, but there's also a lot of push pull with it. Mm. because ADHD sometimes just needs everything to change because you're like, I can't handle this. Like, I need everything to change, but autism needs everything to stay the same. And it can be really difficult at times. And I never even, like, considered that because I'd never taken any of those tests or done done any of that before. But that's where, again, it's the neurodivergent. And Mm. then within that is the autism. And then, you know, there's a, a small portion of that where the ADHD and the autism overlap. Okay, go. So let's say you score really high on all of these. Yeah. Is there then another test that like when you go through official, you know, more of a medical diagnosis or yeah. are these the tools they use? No. I mean, I think I did like, I want to say I did 12 hours of testing for the diagnosis each of the times. I mean, it was a lot. It was a lot of different tests. And I pulled up my scores because I want to go through a bra- um, little humble brag session here. No, no sure. not at all. Not so sure. it's funny because I remember I sent these to someone once because she was just like finding out maybe she's autistic. And I said, OK, I'm going to send you all of my scores just so you don't 
like I don't know it's like so you don't feel bad and I said I feel like this is sending you like a nude pic of my brain this is really <laughs> vulnerable is like, it is this to our our mutual friend on West Coast I don't actually remember it was a while ago because it was it was very soon after I got this it might have been and that it's so funny because I it, it feels like that because this is really extensive. Like what I have in front of me, this document is really extensive. It has a lot of test scores. It has all of the normals, has what I scored, and it has like the the therapist's opinions. And then I didn't send them the full document. The document's like 70 pages long. But yeah, you know, it's so the let's go AQ is out of 50. So that one's out of 50. And if I remember you scored like 12 or something and the threshold is 26. So most people... If you are autistic are going to score more than 26, usually more than 32, again, out of 50, I scored 45 and that's pretty high. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it says consistent with autism, but that's, that's pretty high. I don't think you've ever seen these. Yeah. We're, so we're just looking at a, a chart and it basically shows you each test and then her score yeah. and then a column with the threshold. So kind of like, you know, mm -hmm. like she said, like what's the tipping point Yeah. and then what the meaning is in the, in the last column. And there's a lot of, Consistent with autism, consistent with autism. Yeah, each then, of like, them. Here's for consistent example, with ADHD. Scores in the autistic range. So that was like a little, maybe like a little bit less of a, well, no, actually that one's really high. So too, the so. verbiage is like, because each test mm -hmm. has certain ways that they, that's, that's the difference. So that was the AQ. So that's the first one. If you're like, I'm just curious, I want to take a test, right? So take that one. 26 or above is, you know, most likely kind of continue on with the testing 32 and above is most people who are autistic score 32 or above i scored 45 and that was the first one i did when you were trying to tell me that you thought i was autistic honey i think you're right. autistic this was the first test i took to I'm prove looking... that i wasn't and i <laughs> you did it uh, uh. i scored so what uh what's the esq about do you want to talk about that at all it's just interesting. I've never never saw um, that. And just for anyone listening, it just it has her yeah. three strongest. Yeah, that three one's skills, like really vulnerable. And then to weakest talk about. three skills. I mean, you, feel I don't free know. to not talk about it. But let's let's go through the ones I talked about first. Okay, so AQ, and then the other one I said was the RADS R. So that is if you could potentially be sub threshold, subclinical, and miss out on being diagnosed. So most people who are autistic score above sixty five. And 100% of neurotypicals, according to their data, scored below 65, which is why this is a really interesting tool to use because, you know, in their study, when they've, you know, the validity of this test, 100% of the people who are neurotypical scored under 65. I scored 161. So, uh, but that also, that being really high is, makes it a high likelihood that I would have missed out on getting diagnosed when I was younger. So oh, and that's I believe that if I remember about. this test when I took it, it was basically like, how well have you adapted to earth? You know, that kind of thing. Are you suggesting this, this will get me canceled, but oh, like, yeah. there's like, I mean, actually, okay. What? <laughs> what? I never know what's going to come. Yeah. Actually, I usually do have a pretty good idea. It is interesting. It's an interesting comment, though. I was actually listening to a podcast. It was, it, it was, I think it was either Lex Friedman podcast or Joe Rogan. I can't remember. But it was actually interesting because they were talking about autism. And this is a complete tangent. But 
I think it was Rogan because I think he was talking about this idea of like, is that the next phase of evolution of humanity? Is his ability to hyper fixate on a particular thing and like as the human species becomes more specialized and like, is that actually the direction of humanity's going less emotional, more rational? Obviously, I think he probably doesn't know a lot of highly high functioning autistic people in his life because I also think that they are mm -hmm. quite emotional in my experience as yeah. well. Like just in less... They might be able to pick A or B, which mm -hmm. is like a very clear and maybe a mm -hmm. ruthless prioritization. Mm -hmm. But then something else, like the lights being on and off in the kitchen and mm -hmm. their son disagreeing with them, yeah. and like they're highly emotional. So anyways, but it was your comment of like, how do you perform here on, on Earth? It was like, it is a, it's weird to think about it as sort of like a next step in evolution potentially for, for humanity. And then, and then B of like this almost alien consciousness, like yeah. that's almost how... You've made comments before of sort of feeling like an alien. 100%. Sort of, and so it 100%. is almost sort of like yeah. you sort of accept sort of craziness about yeah. spirits and whatever. It's like, oh, yeah. like what if what if that's just sort of like, a, yeah, it's, an, it's just weird to hear you describe that and then think about it as being like almost true for a second and just saying, yeah, how would an alien, sure. if an alien's consciousness could zap here and then grow up here, mm -hmm. would that look and feel like autism? It's actually, it's a really interesting thought experiment. I don't really have a point with that rant. I think I, I think I shouldn't touch that. No, I don't think so. But I do have some interesting thoughts on it, though. We can, yeah, you know, maybe but talk about that not when we're recording. You know what my thoughts are going to be, though, because we've talked about this for years. You know, my different things, and it's part of what, whoops, you know, drew me to spirituality and different things because you just like I knew that I was different. I knew something was. You know, it almost feels like something's wrong, but then when you go towards spirituality. It can you can make sense of it because you're sensitive to things. You know, it really does go hand in hand with my spirituality. But also when I'm meditating, when I'm, you know, really in the flow about different things, that brings up my right brain. Interesting. So it does improve my life because right. it is making my cortex more balanced. And it's also bringing me into a parasympathetic state when I have a routine meditation like a regular meditation right. practice and the times that I have had that and I've stuck to that I mean it does make your life better so then if you know it's like oh spirituality makes my life better and I do fundamentally believe that I do think that's so fascinating. And, but yeah that's the reason you know I can it's where I can go like super super spiritual and woo woo but I can also pull it back and be like here's some neurology that makes that make sense well I feel like I mean that this is a whole episode in itself is that We've always, I think, talked about, I think that's always been my point of view, stepping into some of these things mm -hmm. is like things like meditation, things like positive thought, things like putting out, you know, your intentions and sort of in gratitude, mm -hmm. all these sort of core principles of a lot of organized religion. Actually, like a lot of times you can find well, really they give structure too, right? There's just like objective, objective yeah. benefits. And, yeah. and it could be, and I love placebo effect, which is a whole nother Topic. Yeah, I mean, it's frontal lobe activation. But I feel like it's one of the most <laughs> under-discussed yeah. and, and mind-blowing concepts yeah. in, in medicine Yeah, that I feel like has this really polarized opinion mm -hmm. of it. But, like, we we literally, you know, we disc... Like, unless you do a double-blind placebo or, a, like, double-blind... Randomized. Randomized control yeah. study. Thank you for that. Because the effect of placebo is so real and so effective... Like that blows my mind. So anyways, I'm, I'm, I'm like two layers deep now. One layer back up is that 
I think that is a really interesting connection to say, you know, hey, these that, that those types of loops actually were helpful to you, and then take that mm-hmm. one step even more medically and more objectively, mm-hmm. and take some of the cultural and religious aspects mm-hmm. out of it for a second, and just say, and there's good evidence to suggest that clinically and sort of medically, and mm-hmm. as as Western society and as most rational possible Mm -hmm. just doing those loops is productive for a person with autism because it might be balancing the brain yeah yeah for sure so there's so many things there and i've already forgot like five of my points because i didn't know it's okay i just i said in episode one like i need to have something to write things and have a whiteboard but a little cheat board down there i need to actually use it i already forgot so many of my points but for sure, the times in my life, again, where I have had a consistent meditation practice or like yoga nidra. Right. So yoga nidra brings you into your body, into the interoception, like all the things that can be lacking for sure in people who are autistic. That's right brain, right? Like we keep our representation of our body and our right brain. The autistic kiddos, they often like don't feel pain the same. They right. just don't feel their bodies the way that a neurotypical person does. And so that makes a huge difference. That's a big part of it. But then also when you're talking vagal system, like you have that dorsal vagal, which is shut down. And then you move into sympathetic, which is fight or flight, moreau reflex, you know, all these things. It's like the, you know, kind of anything jumping, freaking out, you know, whatever. And you want to move towards ventral vagal. So... A lot of people, like, for example, chronic fatigue is often bouncing between the dorsal vagal and the sympathetic point. But I also feel like most of the times in my life, especially before being diagnosed, that's kind of what I bounced between, too. Like, I didn't I had no idea what eventual vagal state felt like. I was either in a sympathetic state, which honestly felt better because I could actually get things done. It was like, you know, frantic inside, but I could get things done. I could hyperfixate. I could whatever. But then you get into that dorsal vagal state and it's shut down. It's freeze. It's stuck sitting there. And I know I should get up and do things, but I like can't. That's what happened when I got home today. I like I sat down again. Our kids are home today. It's a holiday. And so you were with the youngest trying to get him to nap. I went downstairs and you know, sat with the six-year-old and it's, you know, sweet to sit with my kid, but I could feel myself and I realized I'm like, oh, I'm going into a complete freeze, fear paralysis, <laughs> procrastination around needing to get ready for this trip because I have so much that I need to get ready and I need to do and that I'm thinking about and concerned about and all of these things, half of which are, you know, I don't need to be worried about or concerned about. So I'm working through that. And so I sat there for, I don't know, maybe you know, and this is another thing too. Like I'm stressed and I'm just like hunched and I got to sit up. You need I know, to sit up well, taller too I know, to help me. We We're trying to be we close need to here. Taller, right, yeah, we, we have need to. Because actually yeah. it, I get stressed out by the end of this because I'm trying to right, be by the microphone. Yeah. Anyway, so I need to be up taller because that and will you help could also me do like, down. You could, you could do some yoga wantra instead of yoga nidra. <laughs> <laughs> yoga wantra. It's like, it's like when you don't quite need a yoga session. <laughs> You're going to want to do it. Well, that's all the time. I've been sitting on the joke for a long time, and I've been have trying you really? To, trying to you've li- heard me talk about yoga nidra for years. No, I didn't never. I didn't have that that, that oh, dad I was joke say, lined oh my up. Gosh. But I'm saying I was trying to listen old old punchline. Oh, got um, it. Good job. Good job uh, on that. You know, uh, one so, one other tip. So hold on. So yeah, I got go. home yeah. right, and I felt myself going into that 
freeze mode or I was in it. And so I got up, I got some water, got a snack because on Mondays, you know, we work till one. I always mess up lunch. Like I don't eat and then it's 2.30 and I still haven't eaten Mondays and Fridays. And Tuesdays. No, Tuesdays. No, stop. I have a lunch hour when on Tuesday, Wednesday, no, Thursday. No, sorry, hour. I meant to tease you that you. Are. No, so uh, so we were. I work straight it's... through until one, and then I just do a terrible job, like getting myself food, and then my so my blood sugar's low. I'm like having all these things happen, but the key is I now recognize I know what that is. Where you know years ago I wouldn't have known what that was, and I would have been stuck there po- probably for the end of the the rest of the day, and then there would have been a point in the evening where you would have been like Melissa, you need to pack, and you would have basically like made me get up and start packing. So I really felt like that was progress today because I was able to recognize and this isn't the first time but it was a perfect example because I just had it happen I got some water I got something to eat and I started making lists of what I needed to do so I made a list of what I need to do what I need to pack and then I started going through the things I need to do because that felt super satisfying and it felt attainable and I didn't make a long list that's such a key so I made a long list of you know what I want to pack because that feels satisfying but I know not to make a list of like 40 things I need to do before I leave or I'm just going to go right back into that freeze mode. So I did that and then I got a lot done by the time. I mean, it was like 40 minutes and I had gotten a bunch of stuff done and then you came and said that you were ready to record. Yeah. You said dorsal something and another, the opposite of dorsal something. Dorsal vagal, ventral vagal. Yeah. I think it, by the way, it'd be really interesting for you to coin a simpler, like, you know, hot or cold or freezer freezer melt like i i don't know i mean i think everything that could be coined with that probably is but well but i would explore it it, yeah because i just i'm I'm wondering how many people listening right now it's like you're like you're flipping into dorsal what's the second one again spinal sympathetics right it's like so it's so long like i think of daniel kahneman's work with Mm -hmm. thinking fast and slow Mm -hmm. and your system one system two and -hmm. it's like he really struggled i think it's in the forward it's like he really struggled this idea of talking about maybe left brain versus right brain but Mm -hmm. like his systems were slightly cross compatible so he just redefined it as system one and system two i think that that i struggle with that though because it's so well researched and defined the way it is i don't know about well We'll yeah i I just think like at least especially for the sake of the podcast yeah i think being able to target because i what i would love for people listening to is like you were like oh i started to go into blank and then be like, I, I know see that's the saying. chaotic one or that's the freeze yeah. one. And then I yeah. retreated back. I did these things. Yeah. And I retreated back into that. And I, and I just think that. L- well, it's fight or flight. Like I started, I was in fight or flight. I was already feeling that today yeah. at work. Like I was, I could feel myself as I'm thinking about it, I'm getting into fight or yeah. flight. And then I came home. I sat down. I stopped my body. I went into freeze or fawn. So freeze or fawn where basically you just can't move. Okay. Like you're stuck and your mind is going, going, going. At least initially, it's going, going, going. So, yeah, so we And then you have to work your way back through. Fight or flight or fawn. Fight, like, flight, fawn, or freeze. That's like the, you know, per research thing. Okay. And then the. Or the phone does. And then oh, we have to, yeah, we're good. Uh, okay. And then we we have the other side. What's the other side? Though? Ventrovagal. And what is that? That is, you know, rest and digest, reproduce. There's something with reproduce. Gonna have to put the explicit tag on this podcast. <laughs> it's on all of them. I think this is the first podcast we've gotten this far, and I haven't sworn yet. So and it's funny that it's you because the other podcasts I do, my co-host is like you always want to swear, and then we have to put the explicit tag on. Mm. And I feel, yeah, I I know. I think I swore. I mean, sometimes it just comes out when I'm talking, and that's the thing. Like when I, it doesn't really matter who I'm talking to at this point in my life. 
it, it just feels I'm just authentic with what I'm saying. And sometimes you just need to drop an F-bomb. To yeah, get I mean, <laughs> but for anyway, what? For... OK, yeah. so that that's a bit, little bit of a tangent. I'll I'll think about that. I'll think yeah. about like kind of so there's a diagram and maybe the best thing is just for you know me to draw that out. It's it's been drawn out, you know, whatever, but I can do it on here for sure. So I want to go back to just the other tests and then I have two theories that maybe yeah, I want to present because I want people's feedback on them. I don't know. It feels kind of stupid to throw out theories because who am I? But whatever. Well, I think what maybe we, in 10 years. Yeah, I think what we should do and is, I'll have started it. is let's put some disclaimers on it and then let's yeah. put some like, hey, these are some hunches yeah. that, you know, you're kind of as you're reading. I think I was listening to this great podcast about scientific method and they were mm -hmm. talking about this this balance between you have some scientists mm -hmm. who are like you 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 just do the research in front of you and mm -hmm. then as you do that research in front of you, mm -hmm. things will start to develop and you'll start to develop insights and sort of this reactive mm -hmm. process. That's like the purest scientific. Mm -hmm. And then they were contrasting that. They were like, but in reality, you often get a hunch mm -hmm. and you're doing a string of research to yeah. prove that hunch. Yeah. And that, of course, can lead you down a, li a life of wasted work, pathetically, right? For the, maybe someone like who's working on like discovering an antimatter black hole, mm -hmm. and they just have landed on this theory. They're 25, and they spend the rest of their entire life going after them. Let's just say it's not true. However, the biggest breakthroughs have been often in those proactive things. So I just yeah. think we should just we should just frame it as that. Like you have a hunch. Yeah. You probably. Well, are I think the key with those is that you're open to pivoting. Well, yeah. Or like, I feel like I get hunches about stuff and I am often right. But you will like, you you love poking holes and shit. It just really makes me mad sometimes. But that is what has quickly led me. You know, I make quick progress because of that. So I'll present it and you can put yeah, some holes it. in it. But OK, so let's go back through. So AQ is out of 50. I remember that that's out of 50, 26 and above. I scored 45. The rads are 65 is the threshold. I scored 161. And then cat Q is 100 is the threshold to be consistent with autism. And I scored 142. And the other one was the Aspie. I don't actually think the Aspie was part of my official testing, I'm realizing. It wasn't because that's less less validated. So that wasn't on here. That wasn't part of my official testing. But it is kind of interesting because I remember, you know, you'll see the graph and I was all like the neurodivergent section of it so also if anyone wants to show me your graph or any of your testing like i'm super curious to see it so if you want to send any of that to me let's do it okay great and also let me know if you want me to go into more detail about these tests i feel like you know you can read about it online but if you want my perspective on it or you want me to go into it i certainly can so you guys yeah, I mean, can just let me know you've been good about giving me feedback yeah and if people like it i mean this is pointed part of the podcast is i mean there's a world where we just go through and you just like take it, right? And people could just, and yeah. not sure if they want to take one or walk literally through one yeah, and put that on YouTube or something like that, which mm -hmm. by the way, we should have episodes on, on YouTube. But I thought they were. Okay. They're just on Spotify video. Okay. But that could be really interesting too. So if yeah. someone's like, hey, I'm just like, it would just be great for you guys to like pull sample questions. Actually, maybe you should pull up some questions while we're talking about it. You can just click a couple to give people a sense of yeah. what it feels like. We can wrap that in the end. You just want to, I want to cue it up. But did you have a, yeah, 
Okay, so for example, autism spectrum quotient. Question number one, I prefer to do things with others rather than on my own. And then it's definitely agree, slightly agree, slightly disagree, definitely disagree. So do you prefer to do things with others or on your own? Like I'm 100% would rather be on my own. I prefer to do things the same way over and over again. This is kind of where my the like ADHD autism conflicts. Because in general, yes, 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 yes. Shit, I need to change. Yes, 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 yes. I need to change. But anyway. I frequently get so absorbed in one thing that I lose sight of other things. I mean, oh my gosh, hyperfixation. Yes. I often notice small sounds when others do not. That's not me. <laughs> Episode one, the, the, the epic. Did it get edited out or not? I don't even know. We uh, left it and then we, I was like, no, yeah. we need to edit that. And I don't think it ever actually got edited out. Yeah, I'll just touch on more. I find it hard to make new friends. I notice patterns and things. I find it easy to read between the lines when someone's talking. And, and every single one in this particular format is all multiple choice, always mm-hmm. the range. I'm not about 50 questions. Yeah. I find it very easy to play games with children that involve pretending. It is funny to reread these. And, so I have, I have a little bit of a funny story about that. So we obviously in my practice, again, we work mainly pediatrics and a lot of pediatric brain injuries, but we also see all ranges of neurodivergent kiddos and a lot of autistic kiddos. So I we switch every hour. So it was my hour with this patient that we all adore. And we needed to do some pretend play with him and I have him and they're like, okay, you know, let's put him. So we've, you know, we've got the lasers, we've got the Fisher Wallace, we're doing Stimpod, everything. But while we're doing all that co-activation, we also wanted to do some pretend play. I literally had to Google pretend play ideas and then figure out how to do it. So it was therapy for both of us. But I know I came back in and I was like, Kristen, I had to Google that (laughs) to Google pretend play because any kind of pretend play, and I see this with our oldest, like imaginary play or pretend play is just reenacting reality. It's not actually like imaginary world kind of a thing. Yeah, it's, it's just like, reenacting it's reality. It's like I'm a space cowboy on Jupiter. No. It's yeah. more like I'm a, I'm a taxi driver. Yeah, because it said to do charades. And so I'm doing charades and I'm like, this is, this, I'm just reenacting reality. Okay, so two theories. And let's just, but just for the sake of disclaimering, it's just like, these are just, so, like no one should take that as medical advice or no. anything like that. It's none, just like, of, none of this. It's just, yeah. hey, how are we, how do yeah. you think about it? And obviously we'll know more but like it's just it's just an interesting concept and and please like do your own research and so this first that's enough (laughs) so this first one (laughs) so in in my world i take on a lot of like interfacing with lawyers and a lot of the legal responsibility and so for your job for my job and so (laughs) like my brain is very i've been told like i'd make a great lawyer you 100 it's you absolutely still could and should yeah now we're just off the rails this really doesn't have much to do with being autistic. It's just kind of a theory, but I think it will help explain, you know, maybe how some people feel. And then if you're an autistic, it's going to be, you know, even more. So when we, as a society for COVID, went into a shutdown, right? Initially, everyone's watching the news. So we're going from a lot of people who maybe were in a ventral vagal state. So they were like pretty chill, doing okay. And then it's freaking out. To some degree, maybe a minor degree, maybe whatever. But initially, it's like, wait, what's going on? So we're kind of getting into that sympathetic fight or flight, right? But what are you going to do? You can't go anywhere. You're stuck at home. You can't flee. I think one of the options you offered before is uh, 
procreate. That was the ventral vagal. That's how people tried to stay calm, at least initially. Yeah. <laughs> ah, okay. Now I'm not going to be able to. I forget. Yeah. Worst, worst co-host. Ah. Like, worst and best co-host is being with your spouse. So, sorry about that. Okay. So, then you're in that fight or flight, but you can't go anywhere. So, there was a lot of domestic abuse. There's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of people that broke up, right? Or just even within yourself. Like, you can't really go anywhere. You, I mean, people didn't even want to go outside for a walk, which, I mean, God, don't get me started on that. But, you know, people didn't want to leave their house. They didn't want to do anything. So eventually what's going to happen, you go into a dorsal vagal state. So you go into that freeze, that fawn response. And then we saw a society for years that just like wasn't making progress. And I think there are still people who are stuck. I mean, there are still so many patients I see that are having repercussions of that. They're stuck in that, whether it's showing up as chronic fatigue or it's showing up as you know depression, whatever it is, they're either bouncing between that dorsal vagal and that sympathetic, or they're just stuck in that dorsal vagal state and don't really recognize where that initially came from. But I, I've been seeing this in practice for the last few years. So point being, someone who is autistic is going to be, I think, in my opinion, even more prone to getting stuck in that freeze or fawn state in that dorsal vagal state because you're probably already there or at least bouncing back and forth between those so if you recognize that you have to either use your prefrontal cortex so the way you can move along get to that ventral vagal state calm the amygdala is prefrontal cortex or your vestibular system so you either need to meditate is one of the best things to do. So prefrontal activation. There's other ways to do it, but at home for free, meditation. 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah like pre get that prefrontal cortex going or your vestibular system. Go for a walk, go for a run, move your body. So you have to get that momentum going. And ideally you would do both to move yourself towards that sympathetic. So you have to move through the sympathetic towards the ventral vagal. So- is I think we're seeing a lot of that. We're seeing a lot of people that are still struggling. If they're still working from home, you're not going out. You don't have that routine. You're, you know, because routine is important to me. I love being at home and I actually would prefer it, but I prefer it comfort wise. It is not best for me. It is much better when I get up, I get everything ready. I go to work. I have that routine is so important for my productivity in my life personally and professionally. Yeah, we've talked about that even with myself. So yeah. before I touch on that, uh, so you're- Oh, I'm not crunched. <laughs> your, yeah, your point though with this observation and hypothesis yeah. is that there was essentially a mass- Yeah, I think I think it's- A mass event. Yes. And, and, and I can't Worldwide. remember if this it was- affects... The fight, fight or flan type trigger. <laughs> fight, flight, fawn. Okay. And then some people- Basically, and maybe autistic people were higher, more likely to get neurodivergent, get, especially. Yeah, but yes, but to yeah. get really extra stuck in that. Yeah, and yep. in some cases, mm-hmm. still dealing with the repercussions of that years so. later. I think so. in other areas as well as just sort yeah. of like you know, because mm-hmm. there's obviously still people that are still you know, you know, I I have a handful of people I know, not many, but yeah, like it's it, like they don't really want to get an airplane anymore. Oh my gosh, yeah. They, you know, so and that and, and that's they, it. And like. For sure. And so then, sure. and then you're saying meditating and working on some of these things can help start, especially if 100%. you're sort of more likely to yeah. be predisposed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So theory number two, I was 
reading some research and thinking about why do I, you know, I'm sensitive to sound, but I can put on headphones or in my car, put music really loud, the music I want to listen to. And it calms me. And I was reading about lions roaring That's and cranial nerves five and seven. So when we're talking about, and I, I missed one of these when I, on the previous episode. So the vagal system's cranial nerve five, seven, nine, 10, 11. I missed one. of I don't remember which one I missed, but in rattling it off, I missed one of them in the previous episode. What a shame. So cranials, cranial nerves five and seven control the tensor tympani in the ear and the stapedius in the ear, respectively. So that has to do with the tone and what pitches you hear. So like typically in a neurotypical developing child, the cranial nerves five and seven should be at a muscle tone where the main pitch that they hear is a female voice to tune to their mother. So it's in neurodivergent kiddos and especially in autistic kiddos, that is aberrant. So they're hearing, that's not the part that they're hearing. And that's why oftentimes like cranial nerves eight for hearing, they'll get their hearing tested and they're like, their hearing is fine, you know? And then they come to me and I'm like, yeah, it's, it's not, that's not the problem. It's cranial nerve. I mean, all of them, five, seven, nine, 10, 11 is a big part of it, but especially five and seven when it comes to hearing. So the tone of those in the ear then changes which pitches they're hearing. So they're not hearing their mother. So you could be calling them, you're talking to them, talking to them, and they're just like staring off. Now, there are other reasons that that happens. This isn't the only reason. But that is something I know of in practice that can happen. So lions roaring. When a lion roars right before it does, it tenses, it tightens the stapedius muscle in the ear so that it doesn't like deafen itself by its own roar. And I was thinking, I bet when I know a sound is coming and it's a sound I like and I'm about to listen to that loud music, I bet, and I have to figure out how to test this, my like cranials nerve five and seven, like especially for the stapedius, but probably tensor tympani as well, tense, they tighten for better tone. And then I put on that music. So not only can I tolerate it better, but it's calming. It's something that I like. And then I think it calms. It continues to keep me more calm after for a period of time, like that type of stim. I can finish and be like, you know, I feel a little bit better for however amount of time. But I think that that's because that tone is probably still having better tone of that sapedius muscle than previous. So I think I think that's it. I think that's the reason why listening to loud music is calming. Like because it's stimulating the vagal system. Mm-hmm. I don't and again that's not necessarily true across the board but that is kind of a typical thing for neurodivergent people that they'll put on headphones and want to listen to their own music. And it may be not even loud, but if you're listening to it, I think there's got to be some kind of effect going on similar to when a lion roars because you know it's coming. There it, there just has to be. There has to be. Yeah. I don't really think I have any questions and I don't think I could reframe that. So, But I one random anecdote that I'd share is that I find that when I play basketball, and this has been the case for me for quite a while, was that I really, really do better when I warm up to music. And it's not the music itself. It's music that I feel I, I can feel my body kind of get that 
like kind yeah. of shiver, you know, you kind of sure. just like you're amped up. Mm-hmm. It's music that gets me up to that level. However, it's this relatively same set of 100 songs or whatever it is. I think yeah. the playlist is relatively small where I know the words. Uh-huh. And what I find myself doing is like going along with the lyrics mm-hmm. so well that I almost feel like I slip into a flow state. Yeah, sure. And that sure. when I play basketball coming into that flow state, I'm far more intuitive, far more just like I'm going, which is for me, I have a, I'm a decent shooter, but like when I'm out of my own head, I shoot way better than when I'm like thinking about my jump shot. Yeah. It's kind of like in the inner game of tennis, that book. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. And so it makes me feel like I hear a little bit of something of that, but I, I, I don't know enough about medical, this pieces that you're talking about there, but I just, I would share is that like, I find that helps me slip into repetitive lyrics, whatever, mm-hmm. which I've noticed you. And so I just wondered if there was like a flow. State so I slipping, think but. if I recall, and I'm going to have to refresh myself on this because it's been years since I've read this, but I believe, so there's those three states, but they also play together differently. And I think you're getting yourself into the ventral vagal, like the calm state paired with the sympathetic because I believe sports are a mixture of sympathetic and ventral vagal. He's pretty amped. Like, Ideally, yeah, because yeah, you're like, 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 like ready like, to fight, fight sort right. of a thing. But it's in a safe environment. You're not actually feeling threatened, but you're like, yeah, that's the so competition piece thing about the safe thing is like, I remember like I would we'd move to a new place and I'd be like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm not going to play. I just want to yeah. like, I just need yeah. to like make this feel like a yes. gym that I go to. Yes. And then once I have that feeling... Then and I you'll start more, playing, yeah. but you don't talk to anyone right, for the first right, like month, right. and then you'll talk to someone. Yes, That's we've moved so much. I've watched that. Neurodivergent. Neurodivergent. Well, that's those are cool theories. Thank you for yeah. sharing them. I don't know if anyone has thoughts on yeah. that. Cool. Let me know. We uh, need to raise these up for next yes, time. Okay. Yes. I'm leaving that in here so that maybe we'll actually do it because I need to sit up straight. Uh, well, good luck with your with your travels. You're gonna do you know, awesome. Thank you for walking yeah. us through these scores and the tests. Yeah. Any other concluding thoughts? That's it. All right. Sounds good. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, it sounds like, it sounds like you're getting DMs on Instagram. We still haven't, I don't believe you've made the TikTok Mm -hmm. yet. No. I really think we should because that's where we get extra distribution and people that are artistic that content. All right. All right. So let's let's try to get that up and out. But yeah. But it sounds like Instagram Instagram DMs. Mm -hmm. People have thoughts, questions. You guys like some of the direction that we're going. Yeah. Let us know. Sounds good. We don't we don't have a close, you know, like we have oh, to talk in backwards, um, like like and and I'm and I'm Chad and I'm the you know, I'm Peace out. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>